here we go. Today, we are talking about the chart toppers, the top of the charts, the late 80s, the early 90s, the characters, the publishers, the titles who were topping the charts. Some surprises, some breakouts, some some characters that had heat, and then they just dissipate straight from retailers of the age. They wrote dozens and dozens of retail reports telling you what was selling, what what was what was the phenomenon. You're going to hear phenomenons, bat mania. Oh, we are deep into bat mania. Summer 1989, summer 1990. How close does this reflect? To what's topping the charts today. We're going to look at all of it. We're going to examine it on an all new episode of Rob Observations. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Rob Observations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld. I have been doing these comic books for nearly four decades, 37 years strong. And this uh, podcast celebrates all things comic books, all things superheroes. No matter whether they're video games, movies, streaming, or the very best version of them, the original version of them, the actual comic books printed on paper between two staples, or occasionally, if you buy it in a trade paperback, it's glued or or stitched if it's a hardcover, whatever. We love comic books at Rob Observation. We love talking about how they have become sewn into the fabric of every aspect of pop culture nowadays that they are just everywhere often on the show we like to look back because looking back informs of of what's going on now we 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 very often see our own reflection when we look back and today is going to be no different we're going to look at chart toppers the chart toppers and a number of different uh very interesting market reports that 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 are from the very late 80s the very early 1990s combination of two 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 um issues full of market reports 40 pages if i were to read all of these market reports to you we would be here in a super duper uh extra stuffed mega episode of rob's races but we're not going to do that i've I've cherry picked i've highlighted the good stuff a lot of really interesting facets and and trends and, and, and we're going to, again, put it into that blender that is Rob's observations, take a look at what's going on nowadays, see if we can find the correlations. It's not going to be hard to find the correlations. <laughs> you're going to you're going to find uh, uh, some simple connections, but then there's some twists and there's some turns as always, but we're going to, we're going to get right into that. But as of this moment right now, I am anticipating uh, a brand new comic book that I produced, written, produced, uh, drawn inked, uh, scripted by my, my buddy, Chad Bowers, who I've been working with for about the last six, seven years. You've read our work together on snake eyes. You've read our work together on some of the, um, X-Force kill shot, the Deadpool, uh, nerdy 30 stuff we did. And the original Deadpool bad blood, the sequel to Deadpool bad blood, Deadpool batter blood arrives in your stores. June 7th. Summertime is here. This is a big summer kickoff book. It's got Deadpool. It's got Wolverine. It's got cable. It's got thumper. It's got a return to Madripoor. Uh, later on down the line, we've got Venom Pool. We have brand new characters introduced. The, the, the a mercenary uh, unit called the Five Shatterstorm, uh, a, another product of the Mojo uh, the Mojoverse. If you like Shatterstar, you're going to love Shatterstorm. All of this starts uh, in the pages of Deadpool Batterblood number one. It comes out 
June 7th. I very much hope you'll check it out. I really have poured uh, so much of everything that I'm doing into this book. It is my passion. I, I literally love making comics. When I look back and I tell you about the work that Chad and I did on, on Snake Eyes and, 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 the, and the X-Force kill shot a couple years back and the original Bad Blood, and then right in between there, it was a solo act. I did Major X all by myself. Uh, but these are just passions to me. People say, you know, why are you still drawing comics? And, and to a lot of my peers, I'm like, why are you not still drawing comics? Some of these guys, some of my... Some of my peers, some of the names you're going to hear today celebrated haven't drawn comics in 25 years. Some of them haven't drawn comic books in seven years going on. I mean, going on the better part of a decade. And I don't know why I love comics. This is my expression. This is the storytelling. Uh, now, guys who I've looked up to, guys like Frank Miller, he's still making comics. OK, yeah, I, I believe it. the fever, once it's inside of you. Uh, if it's pure, if 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 it's if it's true, it will never ever leave you. And Deadpool Batter Blood number one is my expression of that. And I love the entire series. The 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 colors for issue three are going out uh, off to press. The August issue. I am in the in, in in the process of finishing up the September issue. You're going to get a lot of Deadpool Batter Blood. I hope you are um are there next Wednesday. If you're listening to this, that'll be June seventh, and you can you can grab it and pick it up. I so I, I'm just thankful for anybody who supported my career uh, through these 37 years. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Maybe you listen to the podcast and you don't buy a comic. Hey, this would be a great time to change that. Uh, participate in the, in the actual comic book work that I do. I'm so excited to get into your hands. I am doing one personal appearance for this book. I'm doing that personal appearance on June 10th in Tustin at Tustin Tunes and Toys. Uh, look up Tustin Tunes and Toys. They're on social media. They're on they're on uh, Instagram. They're on Twitter. You can look them up on the internet. I'd love to see you. Uh, I was a clerk there. That was my 1986 job. It's gonna it's gonna 1986 87. The two years that I straddled uh, clerking at, at a comic store. It was a brand new launch. People say is it the same location? It was about four four blocks down the road, same street. They just moved it up into a better location uh, after after a, a couple years after I left. Come see me on June 10th. I'm going to sign every copy of Deadpool Batter Blood that you purchase, one per copy, you and your friends, your family. I'll, I'll sign those for free. We'll have all sorts of other stuff, variants, you know, exclusives that if, if you want to partake in those, that's great. But the bottom line is I'm going to sign your Deadpool Batter Blood for free. I'm coming out of the cave for the first time in a year, my first uh, personal appearance. I cannot wait to uh, see you. And I'm very excited to, to, to hang with you and, uh, and, and see you if you are going to um, visit with the with us on June 10th at Tustin Tunes and Toys. So again, very excited about comics, very excited about meeting you all and, and seeing you. And we'll, we'll tell you some other ways you can interact with me at the end of the show. But today is, is really a pure, uh, pure comic book show going back in the Wayback Machine, but it reflects a lot of what was going on in the culture, especially the 1989 market reports. You're going to hear, uh, the word Batman again and again and again and again. It is reflecting the summer of Batman, the Michael Keaton 1989 blockbuster. You're going to see how, you know, it, it, this is not a recent occurrence. This is not something that happened in the last 20 years. That if you put a big, giant, $100 million production of a comic book movie and you make it pretty good, that it's going to result in people running into your comic store and wanting to find more of that thing. Now, here's how it all started. Uh, I, I, I was in the garage. I don't know about you guys. I, I, I keep a lot of my most beloved books, uh, close to me. I move them all 
uh, very close to me away from my storage unit, which turns out was the right move given that for the last six months, I have not been able to access my storage unit. There was a giant fire at our facility and the building adjacent to my storage unit of which I have two of which you could move multiple families in these things. Think of Raiders of the Lost Ark, the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Think of all the comic books, just an, an inventory from the 90s that I have from the 90s alone. Okay. Um, I have two giant storage units. It's a giant fire, wiped out one of the buildings and uh, learned very quickly, watched some of the, you know, footage on the news of the fire department, putting it out, putting it out, but learned very quickly that we, um, our building was untouched, but electricity power was compromised. And in fact, it was uh, deemed as an arson and then, uh, you know, fell under the, 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 the investigative, investigative investigation uh, uh, by the, uh, by, by, by law enforcement who would not allow anyone to enter the premises for almost three months. And uh, I drove by once and saw the yellow police tape everywhere in the entrance. You couldn't get in. And in fact, it was connected to the main office. So they shut that down too. So had I kept my favorite runs of all my, you know, childhood books in storage, A, they could have been burned to the ground. B, uh, I wouldn't have had access to them. And they get, these things give me tremendous joy. Uh, when I go out there and I rummage through old issues of the Hulk or Spider-Man or X-Men or the Legion of Superheroes or the Teen Titans or Justice League or Fantastic Four, I am accessing old memories. I, I, I've really uh, begun to prefer, even though I have all these omnibuses and all these incredible trade collections, I, I had, a, it was when I was going through my original 1977 to like 1980, the first pre-Empire uh, Strikes Back, pre-Star Wars sequel, when they were just kind of, Marvel was just winging it and doing such a great job. I went through those original issues in their, in their, you know, newsprint form. And I just preferred it to the omnibus. I liked seeing the old paper. I like I liked reading the comic books with the ads and the letters pages. And so I really kind of go out there sometimes to reconnect and access the excitement that 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 I'm chasing all the time because I love comic books and they inspire me. And I was out there and I was looking for some comic books a few evenings ago, and I came across these Overstreet Price. Price Guide Update Magazine. Overstreet is a, we've talked about it on the show before, is an annual uh, hardcover, like phone book, that that has existed since I was a kid. And it was the, the ooh, ah, could I save enough money to get that? And it lists all the values of your comic books. I mean, I, I was able to buy Overstreet Price Guides uh, at the, you know, Walden Bookstore. That's what the bookstore in the mall was called. And look up, oh man, here's what detective, you know, number one is Superman, number one, action comics, you know, uh, uh, journey into mystery, all the old Marvel books, Avengers, number one, X-Men, number one, stuff that was so beyond my, my reach at the time as a kid, but I'd love seeing how, how many hundreds of dollars, yes, hundreds of dollars they were before they turned into thousands and now hundreds of thousands and some millions of dollars. Overstreet, uh, has continued. I did a cover to one. I, I, I did a Deadpool cable domino cover, I think, for the 2018 edition. Uh, I, I, it's so fun. I, 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 uh, I, it was a thrill. It was, again, another bucket list item, being able to have a cover on the hardcover edition uh, of, of Overstreet's price guide. And, uh, you know, going through that book and looking through those prices again, the magic just comes back. And 
So it continues to be published. It was purchased. It was continued from the Overstreet family. But Bob Overstreet is the guy that started it. And it is really an iconic, uh, an iconic tome. Uh, let's call it a tome, a T-O-M-E. It's like the, the, the yearly Bible. Now, the Wizard Magazine tried to supplant, and I've covered much of this in the Wizard, the dedicated Wizard Magazine episodes. Wizard Magazine wanted to supplant it and started driving the prices of your comics down. Overstreet lived by a golden rule. Everything goes up, even if it's a penny, even if it's a nickel every year. Your investment goes up because, and now I, I really see this. You know, my X-Men number one, signed by Stan Lee, uh, is, is not going down in price. It, it's it's constant. Every, every year that it exists, going into now its 61st year, it's only more valuable. It's only hard. It's harder and harder to obtain. And now we've got better lists and metrics of, of inventory that tell you just how much. This isn't like sports metrics because you know, I already told you I can't stand those. But knowing how much inventory is of something is important because then this is a valuable, this is a collectible. This will tell you how rare, valuable, collectible this particular comic book, whatever particular comic book you you know, uh, uh, hold in the highest regard how much of that exists is in relation to and how much demand people want for it. And of course, X-Men number one is always going to be in demand. That affects its value. And Overstreet always sought to at least tell you that your your investments were going up. Maybe it was just psychosomatic. Maybe it was just a mental thing. They didn't want to break that. Well, Wizard came in and broke it and started treating comics like stocks and bonds until it told you that one comic was up, one was down, one was flat. It was awful. It was the worst thing that ever happened to the comics industry. And it was all because of a bunch of petulant frat boys who wanted to have their say and wanted to affect you. You listening to me right now, they wanted to affect you. And God bless America. They were shattered and destroyed. Like literally, uh, you know, that, 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 that was an organization that had just completely, if, if it had a, a pure mission, it lost it so fast. Well, the Overstreet price update was a monthly magazine, bi-monthly magazine. And it was really the inspiration for what Wizard would go and do in hyperdrive uh, and, and, and really just accelerate. And let me tell you something. There's no interviews in this Overstreet um, magazine. There's no interviews. There's no hype. You're not reading about a creator's new project. You're not reading about a penciler's journey. These are all market reports. What you're going to read in these, what I'm going to read to you is market reports from stores who have the voice, who still have the voice. If you want to ask me, the retailers still have the voice. Retailers are still calling the shots. you're You're going to hear about retailers telling you what their fans are talking about in the store. And, and the fan interest in certain books and why they th- that is driving interest in those specific titles and and why maybe some of the back issues are going up. You're never going to hear anything about a 9.8, a 9.6, a 9, whatever. These are all, you're, it, it, it's, it's a vernacular of the past, near mint, mint, you know, fine. I mean, at the beginning of, of these Overstreet magazines, they're gonna, they're, they, they, they denote like, here's the different, you know, you know, F is for fine, NM near mint, mint, you know, is, is denoted by an M, but it's their market reports. And, and I'm going to tell you, I was so taken by these. I had to share these with you and I think you're going to dig them. I think you're going to enjoy reading this, but one of the, uh, so, so before wizard was inspired by Overstreet's monthly magazine, Overstreet's price update mag magazine, um, uh, it had already inspired another small magazine called comic values monthly. And people called it CVM. Hey, do you have the new CVM? Again, a, a, a 
regular newsprint magazine telling you how much your comics were worth. And, and like Overstreet, we're really only interested in telling you how much the increases were. Nothing, the, 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 the you know, sell, sell, sell uh, stock approach of Wizard was nowhere to be found in this stuff. Well, I have the December 1990 market report, just just the, the rankings on, on this uh, Comics Values Monthly number 57. And I, I shared this on social media and it was interesting. It, 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 uh, some of the reactions, we're going to, we're, we're going to start with this and we're going to return this. We're going to circle back at the end. The number one comic is Spider-Man number nine. This is the Todd McFarlane relaunch that started in the summer of 1990. So this is now December, 1990, the number one comic in America. And this is, uh, it says the following top 100 is compiled by diamond comic distributors. They were the number one, uh, distributor. The number one book is Spider-Man. Number nine, number two book is New Mutants 100. I've talked to you guys about this often. How New Mutants 100 with no gimmicks, no no triple no triple fold out gate you know cover, no um, no special enhancement, no scratch and sniff, no poly bag, pure. It's just a comic with two staples. It was a double sizer as well, so it, it it selling at that volume it made even more money for the publisher. You know, obviously in this case, Marvel. New Mutants number two. I mean, New Mutants 100 was the number two book in in comics. Number three. Is not what you think. It's Robin. Yes, Robin spun off with a lot of uh, sales velocity. Uh, in 1990, the launch of the new Robin book got a lot of heat, and that's largely on the heels of everything that happened in 1989, some of which you're going to hear about in these market reports with the death in the family where they killed the previous Robin. Well, the new Robin launched. So Robin is number three. Spider-Man, number one. New Mutants, 100, number two. Robin, number four, was number three. X-Men 275 came in number four. I've talked to you again <clears throat> why this list, this random list found me, this magazine, this, this CVM number 57, to reinforce the stuff that I've told you guys all the time. Uh, New Mutants put, put X-Men in the rearview mirror. X-Men with, with Storm and Wolverine and Gambit and, and, and all the hot characters. New Mutants, we just caught a wave. Uh, the stories and the art, the characters that I was creating, it just caught a wave. It's really exciting. I look back in this and I'm completely humbled and stunned and astonished. And there's a big smile on my face because because leapfrogging over X-Men was something the New Mutants had never done before. And here it did. The number five book is a DC, another DC book. Not what you think. It's Green Lantern, Emerald Dawn, number one. The number six book is Amazing Spider-Man. The number seven is Punisher, War Journal. Number eight is Darkhawk. Number nine is Marvel Comics Presents. And number 10 is Ghost Rider. We're going to come back to this. Did that seem like it was Marvel heavy? They had eight of the top 10 slots. It was Marvel heavy. But we're going we're gonna to come back and examine this later. And some of the messaging and some of the understanding of this list will become clearer. But now we're going to go back to 1989 Overstreet Price Update number eight. It's got a Quasar cover. There are like 24 pages of market reports in this thing, okay? Uh, I, I just, you're going to just have the best time um, as, as I share some of these. Now, again, this is the summer of Michael Keaton's Batman. So retailers, they took the wheel. They wrote these extensive reports. You can tell the joy each and every retailer had in sharing with the, the collective because everyone was invited to, 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 to send in their list. 
sharing with the collective what was moving in their store and wanting to know, is this moving in your store? And some of them were just completely, you know, presumptuous and rightfully so in believing that, well, we're all doing this number on this book. I mean, this isn't, this is phenomenon. You're going to hear phenomenon a, a lot, especially when it comes to, to, to the top book of that summer. Here is George Suarez from New England Comic Books in Massachusetts. He says, New Comics, the hottest character in comics is Batman, period. New issues of Batman are selling phenomenally, particularly when DC runs within series, which the company does wisely in virtually every issue of Batman and Detective. Again, either the books are connected or something like a Batman, a a death in the family, okay? Um, a, A series within the series, that, that gets the readers collect, uh, excited. That, that I'm just kind of explaining to you why he's saying that. He says, we are noticing huge upsurges in demand when Batman makes guest appearances in other titles, especially if it's on the cover. Cover feature was a big deal. Um, despite the fact that we've heard DC is overprinting such comics by much larger than normal amounts, they continue to sell out. Good examples are Starman, number nine and number 10, with sales well above those e- expected for an average DC title. We at New England Comic Books are well aware of this Batman sellout phenomenon because we received many orders from retailers for new Batman comics in our retail for sale ads almost as soon as the material is published. What makes this Batman resurgence even more incredible is that as of this writing, the Batman movie has not even opened in theaters yet. The level of demand for Batman product after the movie opens is hard to imagine. Is there a limit to Batmania in 1989? Probably not at least at the beginning. We suspect many retailers will underestimate the demand despite all the hype and find themselves scrounging from some of the scarcer product like the PVC figures from Hong Kong. Marvel's hottest characters are Punisher and Wolverine and Spider-Man. Mutants remain strong. Excalibur is the fastest moving of the X-Books. Despite considerable speculation by some retailers, we're noticing supplies of recent back issues on these titles are already drying up. Guy's got a lot of enthusiasm. That means, you know, he's seeing customers. Customers are spending. Customers are picking up comics. It's an exciting, exciting time for comic books in 1989. Again, just judging by George Suarez in his New England comic book report here. Uh, Continuing, he he says, recent back issues, Batman is the hit parade. Okay. Uh, He says, death death in the family issues have finally settled down, but they continue to sell really well at prices that strike us as slightly too high. We market the first three issues of Death in the Family at $20 a piece and the last issue at $8. We know dealers who are charging up to $40 an issue. This is something you're going to find in all these micro reports is sometimes they like to throw shade at the competition, you know, and, 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 and remind you how much of a better deal they're going to give their customers. It says uh, any artwork by Marvel artist Art Adams or Todd McFarlane is in big demand. Uh, We feel that Todd McFarlane's work in Amazing Spider-Man is going to push the run of issues from 298 up in a class somewhere between John Byrne's X-Men and Frank Miller's Daredevil runs over the last few years. He says issue number 298 is equally hot and 300 being an anniversary issue is equally in demand. Um, McFarlane and Hulks are selling well despite his de- departure and we are seeing interest in McFarlane's Infinity Inks in his early All-Star Squadron. Um, Art Adams isn't as hot because he is less exposed, but when he does X-Men annuals, they are solid sellers. Anything with Punisher or Wolverine in it sells incredibly <clears throat> sells incredibly well. We are dumbfounded to find that many retailers sold out of Punisher War Journal 6 and 7, which featured both Wolverine and Punisher. 
We are dumbfounded because we were sure these issues would be overbought by everyone, resulting in a huge glut. It didn't happen. Distributors sold out, and demand has pushed the comics into the $5 range already. Amazing. Uh, Goes down, it it, it tells you about other books, and and here's an interesting thing in 1989, because remember, Heroes Reborn in 1996, the thing that Jim and I were hired to do was to restore the original, you know, Stan and Jack family of characters, the Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, the Fantastic Four. Right here, New England Comics says, dead or dying comic books include Fantastic Four, Alpha Flight. He says, uh, G.I. Joe and Transformers. It is hard to believe these titles ever sold as well as they did a few years back. Then says, independent comics, I must say they are falling on hard times. The only independents maintaining heat are those with some sort of movie or tie-in component. Notably, hot indies include Aliens and Predator. Okay. We then move into a whole bunch of uh, back issue stuff. You know, what what back issues are selling well with with him. Uh, Moving on. This is uh, Sean Linkerback from Atlanta, Georgia. He says... Dear Market Report, it is amazing how the market has exploded in the last six months. The demand for key issues in gem condition. It started to include keys in any shape. When these were gone, collectors just started grabbing any number ones they could find. Now it's just any book that's 20 years old. And not just Marvel and DC. Del Rey, Gold Keys, and Charlton's are all moving at one speed. Super fast. As to new issues, he has it all in caps. He says it three times. Batman, Batman, Batman. The demand for Batman and Detective is amazing. The Dark Knight leads both new and back issue sales with no end in sight. Demand for Batman is increasing uh, sales on related titles. Catwoman is a complete sellout. JLA sales are up. Uh, Moving down to Marvel, he says, even with all the Batman hoopla, Marvel holds the lead in new comic book sales led by their mutant family. X-Men, X-Factor, Excalibur, and Wolverine. That yes, they were publishing New Mutants at this time. <laughs> no, I'm not on it yet. Um, this is interesting. Punisher remains hot. Sales on War Journal um, are leading that of his normal series. Captain America is increasing in sales. Captain America gone bi-weekly with some really cool storylines during this time too. <clears throat> uh, the Burn, the John Byrne led Avengers and She-Hulk are continuing with their heat. Uh, Silver Surfer, Deadpool, and Thor. I'm sorry, Silver Surfer, Daredevil. Sorry, not Deadpool. Silver, Silver Surfer, Dare, Daredevil, and Thor and the new What If series have um, have good demand on them. And uh, then in Independence, he says, Aliens uh, and Predator continue to sell as good as any mid-range Marvel or DC comic book. So again, you're starting to see a lot of the same echo, but let's continue because again, the cumulative, uh, the collective of these these reports is is so indicative of the time. I'm gonna I'll give some more commentary after we we, we get a little further in this. May 1989. This is from Tropic Comics in Florida. The one word you need to know this selling season is, and all in caps, Batman. Yes, Batmania has descended upon the world, and ev- anything and everything with the Cape Crusader's name or picture on it is selling like crazy. The madness is just beginning and will come to a full frenzy with the release of the Batman movie in June. Thousands of different bad items coming out through the summer 
Bat fans are going to have an absolute ball. We'll be broke, but we'll be happy. As for comics, back issues of Batman and Detective have surpassed X-Men as the bestseller. Uh, He says the back issues featuring Neil Adams and Marshall Rogers issues are impossible for us to keep in stock. Special issues like the Death in the Family, Dark Knight, Killing Joke are still selling quickly and we see no end in sight. Aside from Batman, the two other really hot books this um, season were complete oddballs. The Uncensored Mouse came out with little fanfare and then made the national news because of Disney's lawsuit against the people who put it out. He says the other one is Rock and Roll Comics number one, Guns and Roses, and saying that that book is now a $10 comic. When he goes deeper, uh, this Florida retailer goes deeper into his uh, market report. He says Spider-Man books are hot. Uh, He says uh, my my Marvel sales are still led by X-Men and uh, other mutant books, Excalibur, X-Factor, Alpha Flight, and New Mutants are doing well. All Spider-Man titles are hot. Amazing is in the lead. The McFarlane issues from 299 to present are hard to keep in stock, uh, as are any any issues before issue 40. So, wow, he's going way into the back issue market. Sales on G.I. Joe and Transformers are flat. John Byrne's books, She-Hulk and West Coast, are doing... Um, are doing as well as Havoc and Wolverine... Uh, which was a miniseries that was coming out at the time. For DC, as we mentioned earlier, Batman titles are way ahead of any DC comic books. Other stuff that is hot uh, are the mid-60s superhero titles. Back issues of the Adam Metal Man and Neil Adams uh, are selling briskly. So now we've already kind of pivoted uh, to, to back issues. But again, you just hear one thing again and again, Batman, Batman, Batman. Another common denominator you're going to hear throughout this report is the, the these these retailers who are for the first time experiencing what's it like to have uh, a media m- media attention because they they spell it out they say it right here in this next one uh, from Middletown Ohio uh, I'm sorry this is Richard Guilford Wayne Guilford uh, Rich's Comic Shop in Middletown Ohio <clears throat> again this is 1980 summer 1989 he said. Uh, Prestige format comics and hardcover editions are prime examples of of the next big hitters. The Cult, The Killing Joke, or even a Batman Year One hardcover uh, are are in demand and will continue to be demand after the release of the Batman movie. Killing Joke and and Cult were Batman comics, for those of you who aren't aware. He says, other items that are selling well include the following. Anything featuring a mainstream DC or Marvel character. Uh, anything drawn by Art Adams or Todd McFarlane. Boy, this is this is a common denominator in two very uh, different reports. Wolverine guest appearances, Punisher guest appearances, Batman guest appearances. He says, uh, what is it that's causing the recent upswing in our stores? He says, number one, all caps, TV movies and big screen projects. Number two, media attention. Uh, he then put... Uh, uh, pivots down and, and talks about Marvel's hottest series currently are Wolverine, Excalibur, X-Men, X-Factor, Spider-Man, Punisher, War Journal, Punisher, She-Hulk, Avengers, and Daredevil. He says, comics that are selling well, Moon Knight, Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, Silver Surfer, Doctor Strange, Fantastic Four. Uh, poor selling titles, Cloak and Dagger, G.I. Joe, Transformers. He said, in my store, aside from Batman, Marvel holds all 
of the top 20 titles. So you got Batman and the 19 Marvels. So uh, let me tell you something. <clears throat> the summer of 1989, Sven Larsen, I've, I've shared with you guys a fact. Sven Larsen was head of sales marketing. He helped formulate the game plan that got X-Force approved so that I could transition New Mutants to X-Force. We got a couple of notes and he kept helping me reshape the messaging that I would present to the editor-in-chief and the publisher. Not my, my own editor was backing me on this. Uh, there was some resistance in different pockets. <clears throat> I've discovered over the years <clears throat> what that resistance was and why it existed. But regardless, Sven kept trying to craft with me, help me to, to shape a narrative that would convince them that uh, ending New Mutants and starting X-Force would be a tremendous boon for them. And, and obviously we were able to make that, that, that case. The reason I'm bringing up Sven is he would give me a lot of market information during this time. He was, you know, sales data and the competition that they had with DC, which Marvel very much took seriously, uh, what was something that they were analyzing all the time. He told me midsummer of 1989, he said, you know, Rob, the great thing is Batman is driving record numbers of people into the direct market, into comic book stores. And what every store is telling us is they walk out with one Batman book and 10 Marvel comics. He goes, Bat the Batman movie is helping expose people to Marvel comics. He said it with a uh, bravado and kind of an, uh, a, a swagger that, of course, you would expect someone to say. But I knew he was right because outside of Batman, this is Marvel's time. I opened with that list from 1990 where Batman's not even in the top 10 in 1990. That's how fast the heat left. But the buildup, when people call, talked about Batmania, from the trailer, even the casting of Batman, the fact that we were getting the first big budget uh, comic book superhero film since 1978's Superman movie. So 11 years have passed when we're, since we've gotten a big, uh, you know, multi-million, giant, expensive, blockbuster-level interpretation of one of our favorite superhero icons. Batmania was... I mean, you had Prince doing the soundtrack. Prince doing music videos. You know, you guys remember that Batman song. Come on. Um, Prince, I mean, the, the, the marketing of the Batman movie was as impressive as the movie itself. But so when they say that my top 10 after Batman is 19 Marvel titles, they are 100% on the mark. Marvel was surging despite Batman's own resurgence. <clears throat> I'm going to read from Roger Smith. He has Funny Business in New York, May 1989. Current stuff. As many of you reading the market reports, in addition to this very update, I'm sure uh, what is striking you has been Batman, Punisher, Batman, Wolverine, Batman, the Mouse, and Batman. As I write, this national publicity has been gearing up for Batman, which opens June 23rd. In any case, Batmania has certainly hit hard here. 50% of the calls to our comic store are about Batman-related material. And there are days when 75% of our sales are Batman. The current hype, I can only foresee this increasing. Someone noted the movie had better be good, <laughs> but it doesn't really matter at this point. The merchandise paid for the movie before admissions and video rentals will be tallied. What does this all mean for you and me? Well, I can't get enough of Batman material to sell, and my customers can't get enough to buy. Not one copy of any printing of Dark Knight remains in my store. When I started to write this update, I had five complete sets of the cult. Now I have none. The Joker miniseries, I bagged complete sets at $40. I've sold out. To me, the most interesting phenomenon in the resurgence of this interest in so-called Bronze Age 70s comic books... <clears throat> 
he said, to me, the most interesting phenomenon is the resurgence of interest in the so-called Bronze Age 70s comic book material. It's uh, still affordable and it's still around, but it's going quickly. Uh, regardless of Overstreet's price guide, they should be going for 3 to $5 each. Get them all you can. Death of Robin, Killing Joke, Dark Knight, Colt, recent Batman and, D- and uh, Detective Comics. Bazoom, he says. Uh, <clears throat> everyone uh, in the back issue market, and he says it here, the other two major back issue sellers are Spider-Man 129, Punisher-related uh, issues, uh, and this Uncensored Mouse, which was, again, a Mickey Mouse book that Disney sued that they're all um, talking about. And trust me, the, 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 the bloom came off that rose really fast. I'm going to move down to Comics Corner in Michigan. Comics Corner. And, and Dan and Dolores Patasek write this. May 1989. All caps, Batman, Batman, Batman. You'd, you'd think that these people were looking at each other's work, right? Because there's a certain familiarity at a lot of these reports. It says, let's talk about the obvious. The Cape Crusaders titles, Batman and Detective, keep selling at unbelievable pace with a lot of investors buying multiple copies. We think the greatest thing about all of the Batmania going on is that the stores have been some of the best, the stories have been some of the best ever. In Detective 598, through number 600. It has been written by the Batman screenwriter, Sam Hamm. Batman 433 <clears throat> through 435 are scripted by fan favorite, John Byrne. Uh, he says, on the Marvel end of things, all three Spider-Man titles, especially amazing, uh, are our best sellers. Then X-Men, both Punishers, Wolverine, Iron Man, She-Hulk. Uh, Mr. Byrne's comics still attract uh, throngs of collectors. Uh, then it just, uh, not so hot department for Marvel Avengers, Marvel comics presents alpha flight. So then we move on to Chris Foss and Bob Smith. They are the owners of nomad comics, new dimension comics in North Carolina. They they want to start with back issues first, but I'm going to jump down and says, and and go to their new sales. And, and, and I've got, I've got them highlighted. It, It starts with, uh, Batman. Well, we all know that Batman is the title nobody wanted or could have moved three years ago. And now you can fry an egg on Batman. We noted the slight upsurge in 1987 and began buying up as much, as, as much Batman as we could lay our hands upon, speculating on the probability of, a, of the mass popularity of the coming Tim Burton film. Virtually every Batman and related title are swift sellers and, and, and much more than guide. <clears throat> a couple of the reports I'm going to read following this, and I'm, I'm literally going from page five to six to seven. I'm just reading these in the consecutive nature with which they're printed in this magazine. Look, when I, I have for three years been reading you statistics, rankings, charts, uh, market reports, I've been, I've been reading to you back and forth, but you should never, ever, you know, just take me at face value. You should always question like I do. And you're right to do that. And something like today is going to verify so much of what I've shared with you over the last three years. What are these people saying? They're saying that they didn't, they couldn't used to sell Batman. That it, a couple to come are going to tell you exactly that it was Frank Miller's Batman that caused this resurgence. That got the 1989 Batman movie made, and that Batman movie got everything else pushed forward. So a lot of uh, just a lot of verifications are going to be coming along with these these reports. And of course, I'm excited because you know I want you guys to absorb uh, the truth of history. He says, while Batman and Detective are obviously bestsellers, we all are move, we are moving vast quantities of Joker, Batman Family, Shadow the Bat, and the prestige format books Dark Knight and The Cult. 
The Batman craze does not seem to have spilled over into the world of World's Finest, where he split the comic with Superman. Uh, he then talks about some recent back issues. He says, uh, I'm going to move down to his, his, his Marvel report. Again, this is uh, from Charlotte, North Carolina. The store is Nomad Comics, New Dimension Comics. <clears throat> it says, uh, new comics are selling as well as ever through the stores. Although with the mass proliferation of comic books all over the country, it is no long it 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 no longer is very profitable to carry new comic books to conventions. Marvel continues to be the general leader. DC is close behind in several of our locations. Alternative comics carry a much smaller slice of the pie. He says X Men and mutant related books are still doing very well, but not as well as in the past. The current popularity of DC books is carrying across the entire line of the company. Each book sells equally as well as the others with only a few exceptions. Of the smaller companies, Dark Horse does the best job for us. Uh, And then he taps out. This is uh, from Brian Hicks and Art Clem. They have Collector's Choice in Tennessee. Again, I love, I mean, we've we've been to New York. We've been to Ohio. We've been to Tennessee. We've we've been to Florida. These market reports are fascinating. Uh, He he talks... uh, we, we get down to uh, the market report. He says, Marvel, Marvel, again, this is collector's choice in Knoxville, Tennessee. He says, Marvel, hasn't, uh, Marvel has had, has had a decent winner in comparison with the other comic book companies. Spider-Man sales continue to rise. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man is now outselling Wolverine. Uh, says, Wolverine in general uh, is dis- declining in popularity for us. Sales on Wolverine and X-Men still put most comic books figures to shame, but the fever isn't there like it once was. Maybe they're just going through a slump. He says She-Hulk has slowed down. Uh, after starting off with astronomical sales, people uh, either love John Byrne's approach or they hate it. Uh, and there clearly is more haters because our sales are going down. He says on the brighter side for Marvel, the new Shield book uh, looks to be a hit and Moon Knight is showing a great deal of promise. Uh, the rest of Marvel's titles are fluctuating. Daredevil and Iron Man are slightly up. Uh, Avengers, West Coast Avengers, Thor, Captain America are barely holding. Hulk and Fantastic Four are down. Uh, X-Books and their related mutant titles are surprisingly low. He says, uh, over at DC, it's very fitting that DC stands for Detective Comics since Batman is keeping the company afloat. We're not saying that DC would be in trouble without Batman, but they are... Uh, but they are kind of short on any hot titles outside of Batman at this moment. Uh, The many deaths of Batman storyline, Batman is also very strong. Batman is outselling X-Men for us nowadays. And back issue prices are still fairly high, but not in the league of what we experienced with Killing Killing Joke, which is probably one of the most sought-after books at this time. The death and the family issues are still pretty hot, and we predict uh, that in time... Number 426 will be the hard-to-get issue. We also wonder if there should be a price dis- distinction between the direct and newsstand versions of Batman number 427. So continuing upward onward, uh, he does mention that anything Batman and his DC back issues are moving extremely well. He says anything on with Batman on the cover is selling. So again, Batman was paying a lot of bills and moving a lot of product. Uh, 
in in uh, the next market reporters from Electric City Com- uh, Comics. They're in New York, and uh, really opens up with three paragraphs talking about back issues. And uh, that's where his focus is. When he gets down to new comics, he says, X-Men, as usual, is doing well. He says, uh, back issue surprises are G.I. Joe, Conan, and Star Wars. And could you believe Moon Knight? He's really um, focusing more on back issues. <clears throat> yeah, I, d- I went through and gave highlight pin, pin uh, highlight uh, to all, all of the different stuff that I really wanted to share with you. And after you turn the page, as this man closes his marker report, he says the one DC character that can do no wrong is Batman. Batmania has swept the nation due to overwhelming interest in the upcoming movie. The I only buy Marvel attitude uh, that generally grips buyers has not extended to Batman. Uh, the killing joke after being quiet for a little while is selling very well again. The cult is super hot. Dark Knight issues by Frank Miller are impossible to keep in, in stock. Uh, Dennis Brend of Back Issue Specialists, Golden Age Collectibles in Seattle, Washington, weighs in. May 1989, he says, uh, Batman is this year's dominating force in the comic book market. All the attention to Batman's 50th anniversary and the new movie has generated a ton of new interest. Among non-Batman fans, he says, uh, talks about how difficult it is it is to, to keep Batman back issues in, in stock. He talks briefly that outside of Batman, writer Grant Morrison his work on Animal and Doom Patrol is starting to catch a lot of people's attention. He says, back uh, down in Marvel Comics, X-Men remains the top-selling back issue from any comic book company. All X-Books uh, remain all X-Books remain popular. Even though sales have declined on X-Men, X-Factor, and New Mutants since post-Inferno storyline, sales on all three remain substantially higher. The X-Men, while X-Men is the most popular comic book, Wolverine is comic book's most popular character. With his own series, appearances in X-Men, and an upcoming feature in Marvel Comics Presents, his back-issue stories in classic X-Men, and his Havoc Wolverine uh, Meltdown miniseries, as well as the reprints uh, Saga of Wolverine. Wolverine is appearing in more comic books in a single month than any other character in comic books. Even though these are troubled times for prestige format comics, Havoc and Wolverine Meltdown is <clears throat> experiencing great sales. Talks about, uh, the, po- the again, the, the thing you're going to hear time and again is the popularity of Punisher at this time. Uh, then when he gets to John Byrne, he says, uh, speaking of John Byrne, it was only 10 years ago that he was the most popular artist in comic books. Whatever he drew was a guaranteed sellout. Today, fan interest has waned. Sales on West Coast Avengers and She-Hulk aren't very good. Other Marvel titles that retain a high level of popularity are all three of the Spider-Man titles, both both Punisher titles, and Gru the Wanderer. He says Marvel Marvel comics that are slipping are Cloak and Dagger, Marvel Fanfare, G.I. Joe, and Transformers. Man, this is a really weird time. G.I. Joe and Transformers. I mean, the the the, the again. These these stores do not pick up the phone and talk, talk to each other. They're all giving you what's going on in their stores, and they're sharing with you what's going on in their stores. Uh, Dan Gregory, Kendall Carnes, and Kurt Collins, right from Memphis, Tennessee. They're 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 uh, they're called Memphis Comics Star Store. 
uh, says the best-selling comics right now for us are Batman, Spider-Man, X-Men, Superman, Fantastic Four. So the, the, by including the Fantastic Four in their area, they're, they're bucking a, a nationwide trend. Uh, <clears throat> says the new Hulk storyline is mis- is meeting with mixed reviews. Some find Mister Fixit the Mister Fixit identity and introducing an interesting excuse me an interesting takeoff, but others don't have any idea where it's going. Um, uh, says Marvel Comics presents is finally reaching its proper level of sales. Mediocre. We hope that something interesting with characters like Cold Blood will be coming in 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 uh, in future in future storylines. The mutant stories just seem like a lot of filler. Uh, he says, high sales for Amazing Spider-Man is applauded to the time and effort that is spent on this book. It's a tribute to the team that sales on bi-weekly, bi-weekly issues of this title have been excellent. Wolverine sales have dropped off after uh, being very hopeful in the beginning. This book is extremely poorly written. <laughs> uh, the Madripoor situation did not hold together. No one wants the X-Men unless the art is by Art Adams, this man writes. So uh, this is this is one of the maybe more negative of the reviews. Uh, the, the, these these guys uh, from... <clears throat> these guys that write from Tennessee. So uh, Keith Contenero from Southeast Market... Uh, writes that Justice League continues to sell well. <clears throat> he says, uh, DC, Batman, and Detective continue to sell out for me. All Batman-related items are hot. Uh, there are uh, the, 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 the same people that are buying up these Batman issues were the ones that sold out Frank Miller's Dark Knight three years ago. He now says that he sells sets of Dark Knight for $45. So you can all four, four issues for $45. Uh, <clears throat> Jay Barletta from Simi Valley, California, closer to, to where I live, uh, writes in May 1989, demand for anything Batman is steady and is uh, predictable, fueled by enthusiasm and anticipation for the upcoming movie. When it gets to... Uh, <clears throat> uh, when it gets to Marvel, he says... Uh, there are mixed, uh, I'm sorry, he, he talks about uh, that the Avengers and West Coast Avengers are currently experiencing an upsurge in sales with John Byrne at the helm, okay? Uh, we go down here to another store, uh, 1989, Seth Spivak. He has Video Ventures, Comics and Video, DC Comics, the product of the year without any doubt is Batman. At this point, anything I have with Batman on it will sell. Pins, t-shirts, comics, trade paperbacks. Batman is so popular that we have managed to sell all sorts of odd 70 titles that featured him on the cover, such as the DC Special. Even titles for him, like World's Finest and Brave and the Bold, are moving. I don't think you can have an item that doesn't have a premium price on it if it features Batman. Again, comic retailers were just... They were just having the best time. You went to a comic book retailer in 1989 and they had a big, fat smile on their face. Um, <clears throat> this particular retailer uh, continues. I'm, I'm still reading from uh, Val- uh, I'm from, from I'm sorry, Video Ventures, Comics and Video. He's from New York. He says, speaking of the X-Men, 
X-Men continues to be one of the hottest new titles. Sales continue to be strong. Uh, X-Factor sales are very strong. Classic X-Men is a middle-range seller. New Mutants is not selling as well. Um, once a solid mid-range seller, this title should be selling better. Uh, Wolverine sales have been excellent, and this book is hot. Uh, he says Excalibur is hot. Strong back issue sales. Uh, <clears throat> once again, you just continue to encounter um, so much of, of no matter what city, no matter what region. And as we wrap up 1989, it says, this is from Tom Metevi in Canton, Ohio. He has a comic book store, had a comic book store called Comics, Cards, and Collectibles. May 1989, it's springtime. We made it through the slim times of winter. Here's how things look from my store. New issues, Batman. What else can be said about the last few months? Whether you are discussing new comics or back issues, Batman is selling. Just any title featuring Batman is selling. Batman Family, Brave and the Bold, World's Finest, and of course his two feature titles. Um, however, contrary to popular belief, there is no life outside of Batman for DC Comics. Oh, that's a nutsack. That, that's a kick in the nuts. Down at Marvel, he says, Avengers is generally a good seller. It is heating up. Marvel's idea to change solo Avengers to Avengers Spotlight and West Coast Avengers to Avengers West Coast may seem cosmetic, but by accentuating the Avengers logo portion of their titles, it is increasing sales on their books. Spider-Man is still selling well, as are the X-Men related comics. Punisher and Wolverine, Punisher War Journal, and Excalibur are standouts. He says, uh, <clears throat> the announcement of a new artist on New Mutants is helping to increase sales on that book. Hey, I know that guy. Uh, closing out with D.W. Howard in Supergiant Books and Comics, North Carolina. What a difference a few years makes. If anyone else is keeping count, it was only about four years ago. I'm sorry. It was only about three years ago, March 1986, that Dark Knight by Frank Miller first arrived. Dark Knight number four came out just in time for Labor Day of 1986. At the time, the major effect was to make Frank Miller's previously unbelievable Ronin move copies again. But all of us in the hobby, collectors, dealers, investors, and writers about comics were mostly just talking about Frank Miller his talents, and not necessarily about ba Batman. Now, May 1989, Batman is the only thing anyone talks about. Our sales of new copies of Batman are 15 times what they were in 1986. Let us express this another way. In the spring of 86, if someone had told me that in three years I'd be selling more Batmans than I sold X-Men, I'd have laughed myself silly. Let's express it yet another way. Back in the early and mid-80s at Supergiant comic stores, <clears throat> when we got a recent, very fine to mint copy of Batman or Detective, we didn't even put bags on them. All recent copies of these issues, especially with special artists, are going in <clears throat> to bags and boards. Uh, what happened? Beyond Frank Miller mania came Batmania. Those of us who observed the hobby, who have observed the hobby for a period of time, know that what goes around comes around. So we end 1989 again with this uh, this notion that that retailers are excited to be selling Batman, but there's there's as honest a take as you're going to get a guy who's telling you I didn't used to be able to move Batman. <clears throat> 
Uh, one last one. Alan and Marcia Garo from All About Comics and Games in Phoenix says the bat craze is a fluke. There is no doubt about it. Who would have thought that the Batman comic would ever outsell the X-Men, but it is doing just that. And it, and there seems to be no end in sight. Batman shirts, buttons, keychains, posters are selling so well. We wonder if we are running a novelty store or a comic book outlet. 1989, those sales, those charts tell a story. And of course we all know that the movie came out and was an absolute monster at the box office and whipped up all sorts of frenzy. And in fact, it really did last most of that summer. It was a, and, and that was a heated summer. Batman, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the Ghostbuster sequel. You had a ton of competitive movies in 1989. It was a fun year. Batman dominated it. And so many of these people were selling Batman comics in a way that, as you can read, they never were and never had before. There's a similar uh, thoroughfare, a, a thorough line, uh, a, a, a connecting thread in 1990s market report. So this is one year later. This is literally one year later. This is comic overstreet update number 13. Again, it's a bi-monthly book. And here, here we go. This is from Seth Spivak, Video Venture Comics in Franklin Square, New York. He goes, hey, didn't I just write one of these the other day? Is it really time for another? Well, I could start off by telling you that the phenomen- about the phenomenon of the year. Yes, it's Spider-Man number one. Yes, it redefines the co- idea of a hot comic. Yes, we have sold tons and tons of them, and we still are. Yes, we ordered tons of second printings, and since they're a different color, we expect to sell all of those as well. A few comments on the book. We sold out the first weekend, the first day. We sold out the next week on reorders. Within a day, our third reorder got us through that week. We estimate our sales at about five times Amazing Spider-Man's numbers, and it would have been higher if we were able to get extra copies in that first week. Todd McFarlane, Spider-Man number one, Marvel's answer to the Batmania. Marvel's answer to, you know, uh, DC's new, new, new launch of Batman lines that came in the wake of Batman. That dominated the summer of, summer, the summer of, of 1990. He says, regardless of, regardless of the bagged editions, obviously everyone was unhappy with the situation because everyone wanted bagged editions and nobody received anywhere near the amount of bagged editions that they wanted. It would have been nice if we had been told beforehand what amount, our, <clears throat> what amount of our order was going to be on each of these. It would have been appropriate if we were offered the regular editions to the portions of the bagged versions that we didn't receive. If that was done, we wouldn't have been so short supplied. It's... It's tough to distribute the bag issues, but what we did is to make sure that all of our regulars got at least one copy of one of the bag versions as we sold them in the in the at uh, the advertised price. Something that's been lost with Spider-Man number one. Did you know that it came in four editions? It came in the you know newsstand. It came in a different color newsstand, and then there were two different bag editions. One was silver. One was clear. They're gonna they're gonna continue to mention this silver one. It, people just like to think that there was one edition. No, there's multiple editions, and then there was a platinum thank you edition that Marvel gave to the retailers that I have yet to ever take out of my Mylar bag. I, I hold that one tight because I am a collector like the rest of you. He says here to continue the report. Spider Man is the hottest selling title around here. Um, <clears throat> our hottest ongoing is Amazing Spider Man. It now is outselling X Men each and every month. He said, uh, the Avengers titles have lost 25% of their readership. This is one year later from, again, this is now we're in 1990. Uh, Daredevil's numbers have fallen considerably. Deathlock number one was a surprise hit. Doctor Strange is steady. 
Uh, Fantastic Four initially picked up steam under Simonson, was gaining, uh, but the filler stories have killed sales. Ghost Rider is scorching hot. Guardians of the Galaxy is an excellent seller. That's Jim Valentino's Guardians of the Galaxy. Hulk sales are up there with Captain America. Iron Man sales are down quite a bit, this guy. He um <clears throat> he said, currently, New Mutants are rising to Avengers level, which is excellent for this title. The best this comic has been in a long time. It seems that the art team hmm, of Rob Liefeld, <clears throat> because the New Mutants Summer Fun Special sold less than half of what we were selling of the regular Liefeld comic. Uh, Punisher and Punisher War sales are picking up slightly after a bit of a slump. Um, All of the mutant titles are in decline, including Wolverine, X-Factor, and X-Men. They are losing 20-25% of their sales. Uh, These are still good numbers. We're not saying Mutant Mania is over, but it sure ain't what it used to be. Now, ironically, we're going to, we're going to, a summer from now, you know, just dominate with the, the, the launch of X-Force and the launch of X-Men. He goes, I'm not going to do DC Comics blow for blow. I'm only going to make a few comments. Things are pretty much the same. Uh, they've been a little more stable in sales than Marvel the last few months. Marvel, uh, <clears throat> where Marvel lost ground to a few main titles, DC has remained sales consistent. DC is is consistent on their middle numbers. Marvel started um, some books strong, but they have become duds. Uh, Green Lantern is the only DC hot book and great seller. I mean, there is no mention of Batman in this guy's report. I'm, I'm scanning. He goes to Disney Comics. He goes to the, the Malibu Planet of the Apes comics. We're moving on. 1990. Roger Smith, Funny Business. As I write... This, we are at the tail end of the insanity over the infamous bagged Todd McFarlane Spider-Man number ones. To be frank, I found this issue to be extremely poor PR within our industry. A no-win situation was the setup from the start. Every dealer received a small percentage of of his, her regular order of number ones in bagged editions, which means that a shortage was built into the distribution. If I needed 200 to 300 bagged editions for my regular customers, I would have had to have ordered 1,500 to 2,000 comics. If I wanted another 50 for stock, I'd need to order an additional 400 to 500 regular editions. I might have to order 3,000 books to get the small portion that I really needed. Well, who is ending up paying for this? You, you the collector. Even before the bagged editions were printed, they were wholesaling for $6. The week they came in, the wholesale was $15 for the silver and eight for the newsstand. The day that the silver bags arrived, they were selling for $10. The, <clears throat> uh, this is Roger Smith, funny business in New York City. He's not a happy guy. He's not a happy guy. These allocations were really bothering folks like him. Uh, My final decision was not to sell the bagged editions that I have. I'm in a no-win situation. Selling them cheaply doesn't help in recouping the cost that I laid out in purchasing unbagged to get bagged. I feel cheated. Selling them at market market price, which changes daily, makes uh, makes me feel like a cheat. So I'm not holding the bagged and not being... Excuse me. So I'm left holding the bag and not being happy. All those people who called are angry. And I I suspect it's going to take several months for this to stabilize. 
this this gentleman goes on to to really break down the sales and, and says that by his estimation there was three hundred fifty thousand uh, bagged copies that were distributed. That's uh, more than the average run of the X Men in his estimation or Batman. So he he really takes Marvel to the woodshed for not getting enough bagged editions to people. Uh, then he talks about and he speculates in the fact that McFarlane Spider-Mans are likely to go go um, to, to to maintain their value over over the years. He says, remember, Frank Miller Daredevils have stabilized over the past few years at roughly the level of where Todd McFarlane's back issues are selling today. He goes, the mitigating factor, and remember, is that Spider-Man is a more popular character than Daredevil. He says, for DC, the only character causing ripples is Animal Man. You guys, no one is talking about Batman. Like this is one year later and, and these, I'm not editing. I I'm, I'm scanning. I want to, to tell you something about Batman. I'm jumping down to Michael Goldstein from Tropic Comics. He says, greetings. This marker report is being written on the heels of what was quite possibly the, the largest, biggest shipping week in the history of comic books. Not only did we get Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man number one, but the year's second most asked about book aliens versus predator number zero. Spider-Man was a tremendous success. Not the sellout for us because we've ordered zillions but still selling what we expected at this point. Limited bagged editions are very hot and we are getting $15 for the silver and 12 for the black slash green edition. The silver one is the much shorter supply and is outselling the black. And then he puts in parentheses, the green edition. Then he says, does anyone out there want to tell me why the black green edition is called black? (laughs) He goes on to say, uh, alien predator, uh, is a big hit. And uh, he then says the Turtle Mania has slowed down. He talks again about the New Warriors and Guardians of the Galaxies are big hits for Marvel. Here's the deal. I always knew New Warriors was going to be a hit. Uh, I've, I've mentioned in other podcasts, back when it was called The Young Avengers, and they were seeking creative teams, I was sharing my studio with Jim Valentino, and we submitted uh, a proposal, a proposal that Tom Brevoort in recent years has shared <clears throat> I'm not sure if it's still up, but if you look, uh, if you if you were to look up Liefeld Valentino, uh, Young Avengers, Tom Brevoort, you're going to get excerpts. He's put it up. Uh, we had sketches. We had a detailed like year two year breakdown of stories, new characters, some of which appeared in my book, uh, New Mutants, some of uh, some of which went on to appear with Guardians because that's the book that we both wanted to do. I had been drawing New Mutants, uh, New Mutants Annual. And it featured Namorita, the cousin of Prince Namor. I fell in love with drawing that character. I absolutely adored every single page, every single panel she was featured on. Uh, I, I really wanted to put her in the greater spotlight. And we heard that Speedball and Nova uh, were, were characters that you could team up with Namorita. That the the young kind of not they were slightly directionless. Marvel characters were the ones that, that they were looking to. Firestar was on the list. Uh, Night Thrasher is a product of the Bagley New Warriors. Not what, Valentino and I had nothing to do with any of that. Um, Vance Astro was part of our uh, our proposal. So so I think we had the core of Young Vance, Vance Astro, Namorita, Speedball, Nova, and Firestar. And maybe one or two others, but we had put this forward, and 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 it got some traction. And then I've I've told the story in in other podcasts how Mark Grunwald, who was the executive editor at the time under Shooter, called me up and said, "Rob, New Mutants is where we want you to go. Uh, New Mutants is where you should be." 
and uh, and and really, I want to urge you to stay in that direction. I, I had miffed my editor Bob Harris, who had heard that I was uh, after doing multiple annuals and fill-ins. I had done issues of X Men and X Factor and New Mutants that I was looking to strike out and go in a different direction. And he had really uh, put some faith in me, but I was being tempted by these other characters. The reason it was so disappointing for me because I knew that those characters would would strike it big. Name Arita, Nova, Speedball. D- Speedball is a Steve Ditko creation. And we are talking about the guy that gave you Spider-Man and the Creeper and Hawk and Dove uh, and the question. Um, Steve Ditko has a weird, a brilliant weirdness to his, his work. I desperately wanted to tap into some of that. I thought, you know, those characters together would be absolute money. Um, I was hesitant, you know, they hadn't completely cleared all the plans that I wanted for New Mutants and maybe me wanting to do Young Avengers helped help fast track that, help me get more of my vision uh, enacted, even from the jump, which was the heavy spotlight on cable. Uh, it certainly helped Jim get Guardians of the Galaxy because when they turned us down on this, they really kind of, uh, you know, opened the doors for both of us in other creative ways. But the bottom line is New Warriors was in my, when it, when it was called Young Avengers, it was destined to be a hit, that collection of characters. Um, I've never, I, I couldn't tell you one thing about Night, Night Thrasher. I glossed over the book. It was early, very rough. Mark Bagley, nowhere near as refined as he would become on Spider-Man and other books in the future. I wasn't that that into it. I didn't I didn't think the inking, uh, I th- I th- it, was, it just seemed not very modern, but it was a hit. It was, a, it was an absolute hit. And I knew that collecting those characters together would be huge payoff. And look, I'm going to tell you something. When, when, when we talk about comic books, and here's the lesson baked into this Market Report episode. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a story Terry Austin tells in the collection of uncanny, the uncanny X-Men Marvel Masterworks that were later collected into the omnibuses. And Terry Austin, I've told this a couple times, but it's, it's time for new readers to hear this. Uh, Terry Austin was being recruited by John Byrne to take over Marvel Team-Up with him. He had already been doing Marvel Team-Up, but he thought if Terry Austin would jump with him onto Marvel Team-Up, where he could do Spider-Man, continue to do Spider-Man monthly with all these different myriad Marvel superheroes, that that would just pop and be huge. Uh, They were wanting him to do the X-Men. He wanted a brush anchor. John Byrne wanted a brush anchor on the X-Men. He wanted to uh, create a look that was more conducive with what fans were enjoying with Dave Cockrum. Because Marvel had had ascertained that the reason Uncanny X Men was slowing after Giant says X Men number one and introducing these new you know this new lineup of Storm, Colossus, Wolverine, Nightcrawler was that the book wasn't able to meet, meet its deadlines. It was it wasn't able to get out monthly, and Dave Cockrum was was getting slower. Well, they Archie Goodwin, who had been the editor and and presided over John Byrne and Terry Austin combining to do this one shot called Star Lord, which is still some of the most stunning work they've ever done. I have original pages from that book. They are stunning. I, I, I marvel at them. I would, I, I would love to have more. I, I really put that book and the artwork and the look of it in a special category. Well, Archie thought that those two would create magic. Those two together would create magic for X-Men. But John Byrne tried to steer them in a different direction. No, no, no. I want Terry from Marvel Team Up. I want a brush inker. I want a brush inker. Somebody, somebody like a Dan Green, he said. Or, or another brush inker to ink me on the X-Men. Terry Austin. Uh, Archie Goodwin said, no, this is how this is going to go. You're not going to do Marvel team up any further. Terry Austin is not going to do this with you and you're going to go do this. And Terry Austin said, you know, it turned out that we listened to the vision of this one guy. I listened to the vision of not only Bob Harris who hired me, but Archie Goodwin. And why I'm telling you a John Byrne, Terry Austin and a Rob Liefeld new mutant story, you know, I 
could not be more thankful that Mark Grunewald asserted his authority over me at that time and pushed me in that direction because obviously it went on to yield tremendous success for me. It, 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 the New Mutants, as you can read in all of these, it's starting to pick up. I'm doing the New Mutants at this time. It's starting to pick up. You can read in 1989, people were downgrading New Mutants all the time. It's not doing well. It's it's falling flat. It was one of Marvel's lesser sell uh, sales. But but the fixer-upper that I was able to do on that really made a difference. Now, what does this have to do with anything? Today, when you get comics and they're unimpressive or they're uninspired, it's because the decision-makers aren't laying down uh, the law hard enough. I'm going to read a couple more marker reports, and then we're going to wrap this up, and we're going to go back to that original list, and we're going to draw some conclusions because none of this happens by accident. Putting Todd McFarlane in a brand new Spider-Man number one and doing four editions, two non-bagged, two bagged, and clearly you can tell this this really created a fever. This really created an excitement. Those are decisions made by people in marketing. My guy, Sven Larson, helped me. He guided me. He helped me. Uh, convince the Marvel brass and the other creators who were actively kind of working behind the scenes to make that not happen. Uh, he, he he presented an argument to make it happen. And again, it, it created a giant success. So here, when this guy says New Warriors and Guardians of the Galaxy are other big hits, again, think of Jim Valentino and the impact he had on Guardians of the Galaxy. So many people that I run into love Jim's Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know why they don't make a prequel series for... Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy featuring the original lineup and these characters that Jim really took to the apex of their popularity. Guardians of the Galaxy had never been this popular. I'm not talking about the movie Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm talking about the comic book Guardians of the Galaxy. They couldn't hold their own title. They couldn't hold their own special spotlight issues. They were basically guest stars in the Avengers and the Defenders and other books. Marvel Team Up, Marvel 2 and 1. Jim Valentino came along and he took you know, Vance Astro and he took Martin X and he took Charlie 27 and he took Nikki and he took Starhawk and he made them ridiculously popular. And you can read here how popular they were. I don't know why they don't go back in time, go back 30 years prior to the first James Gunn film and give us the younger adventures of Star Starhawk and this entire troop. There's my uh, little injected uh, opinions all along the way. Continuing with the 1990 marker reports, just a couple more here. Gives you a, a snapshot. Bob Smith and Chris Foss from New Dimension Comics in Charlotte, North Carolina. They had a marker report in 1989. They write, Marvel, in one word, Todd McFarlane. He is quite the word. Yes, his Spider-Man is the hottest thing since Disney comics of the late 40s. Um, But fan interest in his other works is quite low. His run on Spider-Man is doing quite well. But his stint on things like Infinity Inc. are box sitters that don't move at any price. We recently had a 50, a 50 cent sale in our Charlotte store and uh, a lot of the McFarlane Infinity Inks uh, were featured. None of them moved. Only his work on the Incredible Hulk has slight back issue power and that has peaked. Uh, to get back to Spider-Man, we did manage to sell literally thousands of copies of his regular newsstand edition plus the hundreds of bag editions that were allotted to us. Since we've supplied our regular customers with bagged editions, bagged versions below cover price, we were quite popular the week the book came out. We later sold almost 100 copies of the bagged version at $15 each to an out-of-country investor. 
in the two weeks since that book hit the stands, we have seen bag com- um, bagged copies, the silver edition, going for $20 or more. And he says, and so it goes. <clears throat> uh, says right here in the same report, he says, X-Men is actually picking up quite a bit after having faltered. Back issues all the way back to John Byrne are doing quite better. Uh, Excalibur is uh, is a book fans seem to be excited about, and the return of Alan Davis to an, a regular art uh, feature uh, is the key. Uh, DC Comics, the fans are telling us that the book that they are ma- the most eager, eagerly anticipating is Lobo. Uh, for for a while now, we have noticed an upsurgence in requests for any comic that features Lobo. He seems to be gaining the same appeal level of Wolverine and the Punisher. Again, you're going to go through this, and there is no Batman. He says Green, Green Lantern is selling in large numbers, and we went through three reorders on this book. All in all, DC is doing very well in their new comic department. Not as well as they have in the last two years. Marvel is taking the lead back. A retailer named J. Keith Contenero from Powder Springs, Georgia, writes, uh, New books. As I write this, the new Spider-Man number one has just been released. Phenomenal print run of 2.5 million copies. People are buying 10 to 20 copies each. Uh, I am telling people this is a terrible investment. Not so with the bag copies. They are in limited supply and are selling in the $10 to $15 range. The newsstand bagged issue is the harder one to find. Enough on new product. And then he launches into back issues, and that's not as interesting to me. <clears throat> uh, a gentleman named Sean Linkerback uh, from Norcross, Georgia. He doesn't name his store. He says, new books, Marvel. It doesn't take a detective to figure out that Spider-Man number one is the big seller of the summer. Huge sales the first weekend, and we are still selling a few of these each and every day. Unfortunately, with such a large print one, it will be quite some time before this book takes more than a nominal jump in price. We'd offered all our subscription customers their choice of either buying the regular or silver bag copies at cover price, and most took the silver. We look at we took half of what was left and put it out for sale. Taking the others uh, to, to comic shows, and we quickly sold out at $6 a pop. On to other things. Marvel is still uh, Marvel is still doing well with both Punisher and Ghost Rider. Their team up this month went the same way as the Punisher Wolverine. Uh, other standouts for this guy is new Namor ser- the new Namor series and Doctor Strange. Moving on to the next target, all about comics and books. The talk of the summer, of course, that they're in Phoenix, Arizona. The talk of the summer, of course, is Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man. Uh, it has nothing to do with the creative aspect of the book, but the fact that, <clears throat> but the fact that a comic book has finally outsold Captain Marvel from the Golden Age years—over 2.5 million copies sold—is an event in and of itself. But how many retailers are stockpiling, and how many copies are actually making it into the hands of the consumer? To tell you the truth, I'd say quite a few. Between our three stores, we've received 1,700 copies of the new stand and direct versions and about one twentieth of the aforementioned amount in the collectible bagged variations. After two weeks on the stands, all stores report sellouts of the silver 
bagged direct edition and stats show few copies of the black edition left. Pretty impressive, we'd say. Many customers bought two or three of each version. One customer prepaid for 50 copies. Uh, talking about Todd McFarlane's other amazing Spider-Man work, he says, numbers 298, 299 are selling at $30 each. $300, i am getting $35 for. Those are great prices. If you can go back in time and get those, get those, right? Um, the McFarlane spy phenomenon has made Spider-Man the top comic book in the industry. <clears throat> Excuse me, everybody. Uh, rough morning with the voice. Sorry about all the cleared throats. Uh, he says, uh, talks about Ghost Rider, talks about uh, Punisher being hot. Those, those characters, I mean, again, you want to talk about, you know, the, the pendulum swinging. Moving on to Jerry Beretta, Best American Comics. Uh, says, Jim Lee is a very competent artist and he has breathed new life into X-Men, giving this book a boost. Spider-Man titles are doing very well and we're, pre- we're very pleased that sales have risen even higher with the Cosmic Spider-Man storyline. Says, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy continues to sell at a fast pace. Uh, speculators have entered the market on this book. <clears throat> he said the new warriors too are currying favor of the buying public and the sales show in our stores again it's just so funny to look back because when we wrap it up and look back at this uh this final um list one more time you're going to get some conclusions wrapping this 1990 report up from overstreet uh price guide monthly number 13 has star jammers on the cover by the way Rick Frog from Collector's World in Nashville, Tennessee. He talks about, uh, he says, obviously the new spot, the new McFarlane Spider-Man book is leading the way. Let me turn the page. We sold 5,000 total copies over two days. Presently, we are seeing bagged silver copies selling for $20 and have noticed even higher prices at conventions. The one thing that is, that is interesting is that the sales on Amazing Spider-Man are up, even with McFarlane no longer on the book. Eric Larson is selling the book and maybe someone to look out for in the future. He says, uh, books that are selling really well and should be watched closely include Ghost Rider number one, and the current New Mutants run, then he adds in parentheses, beautiful artwork by Rob Liefeld. Uh, he says, Guardians of the Galaxy, New Warriors uh, are strong. We are seeing a consistent slowdown in all other X-Men books. Our customers feel that the X-Books have stagnated and uh, that there are 10 years worth of storylines left dangling. I seriously wonder if Marvel sees this as a problem. Uh, I'm reading other reports and this does not appear to be a localized concern. So that's how we wrap up the, uh, the market report of 1990. I'll, I'll actually lead with him saying Batman. It is not like it, Batman. It is not hot. Like it was. And, and there you go. Batman. It is not hot. Like it was. It was one year per year. Previous one year prior that Batman was, as you read, hot, 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 hot. <clears throat> one guy that I read to you said Marvel retook the lead. Marvel never looked back. Let's go back to that top 100 that I started with Spider Man number nine, number one, New Mutants 100, number two, Robin number three, X Men was number four. 
Green Lantern, Emerald Dawn, number one. Again, you go uh, eight of the top 10 in 1990 were Marvel. I, I would tell you that that is the same as 2023. It's not just Marvel in the movies and Marvel in television. Marvel in comics have been dominant for years. They have more families. They have uh, more success with middle tier characters and carrying them to the top than any other publisher. If we go down, let's go to the top. Let's go to 11 to 20 in 1990. Marvel Comics presents again, because it was also nine, number nine uh, in the top 10. But number 11 is Marvel Comics presents. Number 12 is X Factor. Number 13 is uh, your first look at a Batman book, Legends of the Dark Knight, number 15. Number 14 is Wolverine. Number 15 is Batman. Number 16 is What If. Number 17 is Detective. Number 18 is Punisher. Number 19 is Moon Knight. Number 20 is Incredible Hulk. So you got Marvel, 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 Marvel. It's another. So DC has four of the top 20. Four of the top 20. One is Green Lantern. One is Robin. Two Batman books. You keep going down the list and you can really, you know, see see trends, see the Avengers titles slipping, the Fantastic Four books slipping. Um, other than special, you know, glossed editions, these books wouldn't, you know, wouldn't rise. They would, they would give all of these books, all these crazy, you know, foil and holographic treatments in the early 90s to try and bump them, but nothing organic, nothing that stayed. That's why Heroes Reborn happened. I want to share these market reports with you to share to share with you. Again, uh, you can see the power of a giant media movie pushing comics in a way that maybe it was never done before. I'm not sure that any of the Marvel books ever pushed a comic the way that 1989's Michael Keaton, Tim Burton, Batman movie did. It was a surge. Every comic book store owner was so happy. And look what happened a year later. No one led with Batman. Batman is not even mentioned in multiple multiple reports. It's Animal Man. It's some Doom Patrol. Uh, it's Green Lantern. I mean, does it fade that fast? It can. It does. A book that was slipping, you know, other books that were slipping suddenly surged. Uh, books like Guardians of the Galaxy don't get the due that they, you know, deserve, given that they were characters nobody cared about. They, they couldn't even hold interest in a storyline, much less their own series, then Jim Valentino comes out and just shoots it out like a rocket. Marvel is has been dominant my entire life. They took over DC in the early 70s and there was no looking back. And DC uh, just has not managed as well. I look at DC now and I see, again, where's the Archie Goodwin who sits John Byrne and Terry Austin out, down and says, you're doing this, not that. Where's the Mark Grunewald who says, Rob Liefeld, you're doing this, not, not that. I'm going to give you a case in point. Probably, you know, 10, 12 years back when DC 52 was created in order to be the one significant moment that they overtook Marvel, which lasted for two months. I know Marvel people were just cracking up. I mean, the new 52 was designed to usher in this new age of dominant new characters, new teams. I was part of it. I was called to save some books that were slipping in sales. Deathstroke was slipping down the pole like a grease, uh, like, like a... Like the pole was greased. That's how fast the sales were slipping. I went in. I stabilized. They added 15,000 copies. I stabilized Hawkman. I stabilized Grifter. Some of these early books were, 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 were doing poorly. They gave me an option. Stay on Hawk and Dove or go do this. I'm like, well, you haven't given Hawk and, Hawk and Dove any support. 
everything suddenly was about market share and holding on for dear, dear life. And if you go look, listen to my dedicated DC 52 podcast, I cover all of this. Uh, very quickly, they didn't want to have egg on their face. So you got 20 Batman-themed comics. Anything that could be tied to Batman was tied to Batman. I think one month there was 26 of the 52 books were themed. Yes, I count Batwoman. Yes, I count Batgirl. Yes, I count Robin. Um, <clears throat> anything with the Batman family uh, was suddenly given because that's how they could make up market share. That's how those books would do a number because retailers would take a leap on a Batman book. Would I have taken their top artists at the time, let's say an Ivan Rice, a Jim Lee at that point and put them on the Legion of Superheroes with a great writer? said, we have great toys in the chest. Right now I would do this. Take their great toys. Take, take the new gods. Make the new gods greater than they've ever been. Open a world. People are bored with some of the same old, same old stuff. Look, you can do derivatives. Marvel doesn't. Pub, DC does it. Derivatives are a thing. And they can get you some short-term yield. But d- dive into that deep treasure trove. Why was Animal Man and Doom Patrol on the mouth of these retailers in 1990? Because Grant Morrison was doing things with those books that blew people away. He was putting himself on the map. He wasn't Grant Morrison at the time. He was becoming Grant Morrison because of the quality of the stories, the intrigue. These are decisions that are made that pivot towards one creator or the other or stay here, do this. The editors, the publishers have tremendous control. They can guide and determine what you will dig. New Mutants outsold X-Men. How'd that happen? They just let a creative force go. Grant Morrison was a creative force that they just let go. Animal Man was legit hot. Doom Patrol was legit hot. Um, The Green Lantern resurgence didn't start with Jeff Johns. It started here with Emerald Dawn back in 1990. It starts with creators, creativity being unleashed. If Marv Wolfman and George Perez don't put their own secret sauce on the Titans, that does not become the blockbuster franchise that it has been for DC at least for 20 of the last 40 years and two decades of a you know previously dead franchise becoming a giant blockbuster is fantastic anyone will do that trade the charts they tell stories and uh there's some speculator stuff in that 1990s that 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 would you know conceivably get worse you, you see these people obsessed with their bagged editions. Which bagged edition was more? Which bagged edition was going for more? Um, 20 bucks for e- even a even a comic. If a comic, if a comic book came out at that time, like the guy said, an average kind of, you know, hot mutant book was selling 300000 You're getting 15 to $20 for a book, you know, that sold 300000 the bagged edition. I mean, that that's how much the fever had taken. Well... Walks down memory lane, provide a look in the mirror. They provide uh, some interesting insights. It was a great time for retailers. They were they were doing really well. Stores were doing well. It was the first time stores you could see, they were like, there's there's more to this than what I've been experiencing. And maybe they opened another store or two. Maybe they extended too, too far. Maybe in extending to a couple more stores during that brief period, they made a lot more money. So it was a good move. And maybe when those leases were up, they just, they, they got out of it and went back to one store or maybe no stores. I'm not sure. It was a great time for comics. It was a blast sharing with you today. We've gone long as we always do, but I want to tell you, you can catch me on Twitter at Robert Liefeld on Twitter. Full name, R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-F-E-L-D, at Robert Liefeld. On 
Instagram. I am at Rob Liefeld. I've got the blue check that verifies that you're really talking to me. I love on both Twitter and Instagram, reading your messages, your DMs, your comments. Thank you so much for interacting with me on these social media platforms. Instagram at Rob Liefeld. Find me there. On Facebook, I have a group. It's called Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond. Please come join the conversation over there. So much of what we talk about here, we continue there. And we share art contests and collections and talk about all sorts of fun comic books. If I invite you to join me at my group, it's a group, not a page. Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond, either myself or a gentleman named Terry Sala, S-A-L-A, will click you through to the other side. That's how you know you're at the right place. I am on a app, an app, a collectible app called Whatnot. I go live. I look right into the camera. I talk to you. I'm about to begin sharing with you signed, uh, remarked, uh, custom custom signature editions of Deadpool Batter Blood. It's in. We're going to start sharing those as soon as our very next show. Catch me on Whatnot. Follow me at Rob Liefeld. I have signed Funko Pops. I have signed action figures. I have signed comic books exclusives. We have exclusive Deadpool Batter Blood product. It's coming your way. You're going to dig it. These covers are great. Uh, I, I have an exclusive with a, an account called Stash Loot. I have an exclusive with Whatnot. Both of those are going to be exclusive on Whatnot. They're not on any website. You're going to have to get on the live stream and purchase them from us direct. I love the exclusivity. I love the exclusive content. We have so much of it. All of the Deadpool Batter Blood copies, the Scotty Young variant, uh, the Kyle Nagoo variant, my variants, they're all going to be available. Please, please check us out on Whatnot. Follow me at Rob Liefeld. I'll get, you'll get a notification when my shows go live. It is me looking into the screen, uh, into the, into the screen. And let me tell you something. You're going to go, that's grumpy, Rob. People have said, you're not happy, Rob, like on the podcast. And, and this is where I remind you, this podcast is done at the crack of dawn. I am happy. I've had my coffee. I'm fully energized. The podcasts are at the end of the day. I'm tired. I'm, I'm about to go to sleep. So forgive me for being a grumpalumpalist, okay? I can be quite the grumpalumpalist, which should have been and maybe is a Muppet or a Sesame Street character that I've forgotten. But I just want to say it one more time. Yes, I'm a grumpalumpalist on the Whatnot live stream. Come see me. Um, we'd love to see you again. It is me talking right into the camera, not hands removing comics. I look forward to seeing you on whatnot. CGC has a private signing they're doing with me at the end of the summer. Please send your books in. I'll tell you the books that are going to be in short supply are these Deadpool, bad blood number ones. Um, nope. I haven't signed any for anybody. So if you get yours in, you'll be part of the uh, crew that can get an, an a special uh, a special Rob Liefeld label. CGC has given me my own label. I want you to partake in that label. <clears throat> I want to sign your books at CGC. Get your New Mutants, get your X-Force, get your Youngbloods, your G.I. Joes, your Avengers, your Captain Americas, all the books that you want me to sign, I want you to sign. Go to the CGC website, look up Rob Liefeld signing, follow the menu, follow the prompts, and get your books in. Deadpool 3 is in theaters now. Don't be the guy that's sitting in the theater when you're watching it going, I, I wish I had sold my sent my comic into CGC. That time is now. Do it. Go to CGC. Look up on their website. Scroll down. Find the Rob Liefeld stuff. Get that info. Send your books in. I cannot wait. I've never done a private signing with them before. I don't intend to do another one anytime soon. Please catch me this time out. I look forward to seeing whatever you send me. Deadpool Batterblood in stores, June 7th. Doing a live doing a signing in person for the first time in over a year at Tustin Tunes and Toys in Tustin, California. That's in Orange County. Look it up. I hope 
to see you there. You guys, I am always rooting for you. I hope your mental, spiritual, physical, and emotional health are where they need to be. If not, pump the brakes. Take some time out. Go visit art. Listen to music. Read a comic. Watch a streaming show. Go to a movie. Get out. Let art instill inspiration within you. Uh, Have a great meal. Be with loved ones. Eat pasta. Eat tacos. Taco Tuesday. Never miss it. Hamburgers. Oh my gosh, hamburgers. I love them so much. Almost as much as I love Reese's Big Cups. When am I going to get my endorsement deal? Come on, Reese's. Give me a break. I do this for free. I love candy. I love ice cream. Oh, baby, baby. Anyway, that's the stuff that gives me my, you know, gives me my release. And I hope for you that you can pump the brakes, get off the grind, and find some happiness even if it's just a moment or, or, or an hour or whatever to plop down on the couch, the beanbag, the sofa chair, and just interact with something that inspires you. Like I started this podcast, go out to the garage, look through those comics, be inspired. Uh, Hey, thank you so very much for spending time with me today. I hope you are doing well. Circle back, see me. I'm going to be here next time. Let's get together. I will, again, I'll be waiting. We will most certainly, absolutely, inevitably talk again. Real soon.